I was in a coma for six weeks while the doctors told my wife I was going to die. When I woke up, she told me the most fantastic story. My team kept running the business without me. Freelancers reached out to my team and said, we will do whatever it takes as long as Craig's in the hospital. I consider that the greatest accomplishment in my career. My name is Craig Andrews, and this is the Leaders and Legacies podcast, where we talk to leaders creating an impact beyond themselves. At the end of today's interview, I'll tell you how you can be the next leader featured on this show. One billion. One billion. I I had to double check that stat. I thought it was a mistake. It's not. Sandy Gennaro has performed on stage for more than one billion audience members. He was the drummer for Cyndi Lauper, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, Bo Diddley, Johnny Witter, the Monkees, Joe Lynn Turner, Michael Bolton, Benny Mardones, and Kraft, and the Mamas and the Papas, and John Paris. Today, Sandy's on a different stage. He's now inspiring tens of thousands of people with his signature talks. One of them is Beat the Odds, Eight Lessons on Becoming a Rock Star in Business and Life. And another one, learn about the why. And today I want to welcome uh, Sandy to uh, Leaders and Legacies. We have a shared mission. Leaders and Legacies about, is about making an impact beyond yourself. And that's what's happening in Sandy's life in spades. And so, Sandy, welcome. Thank you very much, Craig. I, I appreciate you, your time and having me on this show. So... When I when I first looked at that, I, I thought, no, no, I'm misreading it. A billion. I mean, that that's what right now that would be like one seventh of the world's population. <laughs> uh, that you know, to qualify that statement, Craig, uh, that's that's between live and TV. Yeah. Well, so you know, TV engulfs millions of people at one shot. So you know that that's how you get to a million being on. Being on Carson, Johnny, the Tonight Show three times and all kinds of TV with, um, you know, that's something that was really good with for Cindy Lauper because she was a media star. She was on a lot of TV and she liked to have the band with her all the time. Well, and just for some perspective, my my one and only uh, appearance on TV was on community television in my hometown when I was six years old. And I went up to my mom and whispered in the ear that I had to pee. And that got picked up by her mic. So that's uh, that was my one crack at TV. They haven't let me back on since. That's awesome. Awesome. Good story. Yeah. So how did you get started? Uh, in speaking or in playing? Well, let's start with playing. How did I get started? Well, I got a, a toy drum um, for Christmas when I was two and a half years old. And I just was immediately attracted to the fact that I can hit something with sticks and not get hollered at by my mother. And I, <laughs> I, I carry that drum around everywhere. And I have it upstairs in my office here in Nashville, in my studio upstairs. Um, and then I started, I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan in 1964, February 9th. And that basically was my defining moment. Uh, from then on, I knew exactly what I was going to do with my life. It was just a matter of time. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't know what steps I was going to take. But I had the faith and the belief that that was going to be my vocation. And that was going to be 
what I love to do. I had fun doing it. And I got my first drum set at 13, 14, and um, started playing little gigs and little graduation parties and high school dances and stuff like that. And then when I was 16, I got snuck into my first bar and on and on. And then uh, I moved to LA in 1976 to get my first big break in the music business. And through trial and error, trial and error, trial and error, I kept the faith. I made a lot of mistakes. I, I was turned down on a lot of auditions, but I kept the faith and I, I kept going. And I ended up getting my first gig in a, in, uh, in a band called Blackjack back in New York. And that was my first pro recording gig, um, 1979. And that's the gig, that's the band that had Michael Bolotin, then known as Michael Bolotin. He was the singer in the band and Bruce Kulick was the guitar player. Jimmy Haslip was the bass player. And we all went on to do significant things in the music business. But that was my first, my first foray into professional recording. We recorded our first album for Polydor Records with uh, Tom Dowd, the legendary Hall of Fame producer, Tom Dowd. And that was basically my launching pad. And then from there, the dominoes fell from there. And then at one of, um, at Cindy's gig, Joan Jett was in the audience at one of those gigs and her manager, Kenny Laguna. And five years later, I was asked to do a Joan Jett tour. So basically, uh, every gig in my, every gig in my life, uh, Craig has come from, has come from, uh, either directly or indirectly helping somebody out or seeing someone that needs to be lifted up or encouraged or someone needing a favor, needing a drummer at the last minute. And I do them a big favor with now anything in return, expecting anything in return. And it turns out to be something monumental in the future. This person that I did a favor for ends up being finding this singer in Queens called Cindy Lauper. And I ended up joining her band or I did a, an oldies gig with a bass player that needed a drummer two days notice and he didn't have anybody else to call. I did that gig. It was with the band called the tokens and that musical director, Jerry Renino rest his soul ends up being the musical director for the monkeys because of the favor I did for him a couple of months earlier. He, and the, the fact that we had played together, he asked me to do the monkey reunion tour and that was one tour and that was thanks enough for helping Jerry on that oldies gig. And, uh, but I did every, almost every reunion tour that the monkeys did, uh, from 87 until Davy Jones passed away in 2012. So it goes on and on and on. It's basically the whole idea is that if you look out, keep your eyes open, take the blinders off and look for ways to help people, look for ways to lift people up. And if you, if, if you're asked, if you have the wherewithal to be asked of a favor and you can supply that favor, uh, do it. And you don't do it for any other reason because it, it lifts people up. And that's, and when you do that, you're in the flow of good karma. And I can, I can talk to you for about an hour about this without any interruption about this very subject, how important it is. To, to let, let the universe take care of you. You take care of other people. This is the general overall psyche. Take care of other people when they need it. And the universe, the higher power, the power greater than ourselves at work will take care of you. You don't do it for any other reason except for the fact that you want to put a smile on somebody's face or help somebody out when they need a favor. And it always comes back to you. 
every single gig I've ever gotten, all those records are behind me. I've gotten those gigs directly or indirectly as a result of just helping somebody. So that's not the only key to success. That's a major key to success. Uh, the other key to success is the way you think and the positive attitude that you have about situations that haven't happened yet. Because we were given a choice when we were born as a human being. We were given a choice of, of how to think, what to pay attention, what thoughts to pay attention to, what thoughts to eliminate. Um, so we were given the power of free will, choice, um, and what thoughts to pay attention to. So if we monitor those thoughts and think positively, maintain our work ethic towards our individual goals, um, so it's not like I don't want to, um, anyone to misunderstand. Well, you pe be nice to people and then you can sit on the couch and, and the, your, your good fortune will come to you. It's not that way. You have to maintain that work ethic and maintain uh, being in that flow of energy of making things happen and thinking positive about the future. And all of your actions are going to lead to something positive. And it always works out, you know, relentless thinking like that, it always works out. It's a law of the universe. Like you plant the seed and you add water and sunshine, the seed's going to germinate. So it's, it's like that. Well, and if I heard something that was kind of hidden in that, that discussion, this all started with you trying out, getting rejected, trying out, getting rejected, trying out, getting rejected. But at some point you weren't rejected but also in that you were doing favors you you were you were do, you were giving without asking in return and you know would you say that there was like a you know was it like one day that everything just kind of jumped up or would you say it was just kind of a gradual rise it was a gradual a gradual rise it was a gradual rise maintaining your work ethic and your positive outlook on the future and at the same time keeping your eyes open on how to help other people yeah. So that that you're in the you know, you heard the expression, you go with the flow, but the flow is in that positive river, that river of positive energy. And you move forward as every day that goes by, we're in that flow, we're moving forward. So it's a combination, again, of how you treat people looking for ways to to lift people up and to help them. And it's a combination of your positive attitude um, and, and your thoughts and your anticipation about future events. We have a choice to think positively or negatively about it. So if you think positively, you're in league with what I call the God energy, which is the, the energy inside all, all human beings. It's a, it's a little spark of God energy, and that's what makes human beings different than a dog. That's what makes human beings different than a, um, any other living thing, is the fact that we have the power of emotion to feel emotion positively and negatively, to evict emotion, to to treat people where you create an emotion in them, um, the power of free will, the power of choice. So that's the challenge that we've been given at birth. We were given the choices, so we're challenged to think and choose the right thing and to treat people the right way. And when we're in that positive flow of energy, that's when magic happens and that's when, you know, that's when, when you're pulling up to a restaurant and you're late for your reservation, you're looking for a parking space. And right then you're pulling up to the restaurant and somebody pulls out right in front and there's your parking space. To me, that's not, I don't consider that an accident. I don't believe in the word luck. I believe you create your own luck 
by how you treat people and how you think and how your positive anticipation of future events. That's how you do it. You can't go into any situation, Craig, going, oh, well, I did my homework. I rehearsed the songs, but I don't think I'm going to get that audition. Uh, or if I'm lucky, I may get it. Or no, you have to put it in your mind that you, you, you visualize yourself getting the audition. And when you visualize yourself getting the audition and you create and you experience the emotion inside as if you've already gotten that audition and you, you firmly believe it to the, to the core of your being, then you start getting inspirations on how to make that manifestation happen. Oh, rehearse a little bit more. Why don't you rehearse this? Or why don't you do that? Or why don't you... Do you understand? You start, it's like the GPS. You receive the result first. You put the address in the GPS, and then you hit send or go, and then the GPS. You don't know how you're going to get to the destination, but the GPS will follow you to, to show you. Make a left here, make a right there. And that's the way I look at my life, and that's the way it's always turned out. I'm 72 years old, and when I look back on my life, that's the way it's always turned out. Well, you know, I live in, in Austin, and Austin has amazing musical talent. Yep. And a lot of the talent here in Austin, if you're local, you've heard uh, you've heard some of the names, but people outside of Austin have never heard some of the names here. And from your perspective, what's the difference between, you know, some of this amazing talent that we have here and the people that like yourself that make it on the big stages? The you know, it's not it's not any kind of concrete material difference. There's not any kind of concrete material difference. Basically, talent is not the measure of success. I'll tell you right now. Technical talent, talent on the drum set, riffs, chops, rudiments, being able to play at 220 beats a minute for 20 minutes, that kind of physical ability on the drum set, that's only a little part of it. A big part of it is what's up here. Because a, a turning point for a lot of musicians is that when it's time to go out and make a living playing music, when they move out of their mommy and daddy's house, and now it's up to them to keep the lights on and to, and to start a life, carve out a life for them that they're responsible for themselves. That's where the, 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 only the strong survive. That's what separates the wheat from the chaff. In other words, now it's time to keep your own lights on. You don't have a bed made and food on your table. Now you got to do it yourself. And you're a drummer. Well, you better have a, a girlfriend that's got an apartment or else you'll be homeless. <laughs> that's a little music industry joke, but it's, it's actually true. So it goes beyond physical talent. Speaking of Austin and speaking of musicians, do you know of a, an artist, Ray Wiley? Ray I'm Wiley Hubbard? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's awesome. I saw him. I saw him here, here in Nashville last year. He was awesome. Anyway, I just thought of him being from that uh, Austin. You know, there, there's a there's a blues player here that when I watch other musicians react to him, I know he's talented. You know, it's one thing for me to think he's talented. But when I see other talented musicians react to him, um, I know I really know he's talented. But when I've seen him play, I haven't enjoyed his shows. And, you know, so this is Austin. It's not some big venue. It's, you know, often it's down 6th Street in some bar. And I'd watch him play and 
he would focus in on the prettiest women in the audience and he would focus all of his attention on them. And I saw these other women that desperately wanted his attention and he would just kind of ignore them. And I just thought, dude, you have an opportunity here to make somebody feel special. You have the opportunity to give them a gift and make them feel like they caught the eye of the rock star that one night. Right. And I felt like he just withheld that gift. You never know who's that. Do you know who the artist's name, the name is? It slipped my mind. But it doesn't, it, 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 we don't need to make that public, but uh, that's his, that's his, you know, <laughs> I, w- I don't want to say it's his fault, but he's missing out on potential. He's missing out on the potential to make somebody smile. Make just because she's unattractive, you're not going to make her smile. You know what, Craig? I'm going to tell you a story. A lot of people ask me, "How did you go from? How did you transition from being a rock and roll drummer to a speaker, a successful speaker, having another career?" I'm going to tell you that story, and it's similar to what that guy, that blues guy, is missing out on. Because, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you come to your own conclusions. I was always wondering at the end of my well. I'm still a drummer and I'll be a drummer till I die. I mean, it's in, in my, in my DNA. So this is, this is what my office looks like. Oh, wow. wow. So I have, I have two drum sets set up face to face. A lot of times I have a student coming over here or whatever, but that's, I, 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 this is, that's my life. But anyway, I always wonder when I, in my sixties, what am I going to do when I retire? Do I have enough money put away in a 401k or I don't have a 401k. All I had was, was, um, was IRAs because I, I've been a 1099 guy my whole life. So I don't have really much of a pension. And I was wondering if I had enough put away to set, to maintain my lifestyle when I, when I didn't want to go on the road anymore or what wasn't asked to go on the road anymore. And I had that concern. I would go to sleep wondering about that. And I, I, in 2016, I saw a woman in a wheelchair and I looked for, I look at, when I'm playing an encore, I look for people in the first row who's going to get my drumsticks because they throw drumsticks out at the end of the show. And there was a woman in a wheelchair and she was kind of smiling. She was afflicted. And I said, she's going to get my drumstick. After the show, I went to the front of the stage and threw her a drumstick. The guy next to her intercepted it. I could have kept walking, but I didn't. I went back and I went, no, I want her to have it. He gave it to her. I replaced his drumstick. The next day, the husband sitting on the other side of the woman in the wheelchair, Facebook messaged me and says, I'm the husband of the woman you threw a drumstick to. Can I have your number? And again, I didn't have to give a, a complete stranger my home phone number, but I did. And he called me and was over the moon in appreciation of what I did from his wife the night before. In that, in that arena, out of 20,000 people, I picked her out. She's going to put the, the, the drumstick in a, in a shadow box when she gets home. She was nearly in tears. Nobody pays attention to her, whatever. You made sure she had that drumstick. He said, I'm, I, want to, I want to buy you a coffee. I'm coming to Nashville to speak. I'm, I want to buy you a coffee. Can I, can I buy you a coffee and thank you in person? Again, I didn't have to go downtown Nashville on a Saturday morning at 10 o'clock to meet this complete stranger, but I did. And I asked him, he asked me how I got certain gigs and he asked me certain questions about how I became successful in the music business, whatever. So he told those stories. He invited me to his speaking engagement, told the story 
about how I got Cindy Lauper's gig and the blackjack gig and whatever, and it got a good reaction. He convinced me at that point. He says, you have a lot of experience speaking in front of people in your music school that you spoke to or whatever, but you have a career as a public speaker that people need to hear that message. So uh, he said, I'll help you any way I can. Long story short, that's how I became a public speaker. If I didn't, if I was just spe- uh, uh, attracted to the the attractive women in the audience, I would have never ever threw that drumstick to a woman in the wheelchair that was kind of afflicted. So right. that, 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 that led, that led Craig to my speaking career. And you know what? In the last year, the speaking career blew up. I am busy as busy as I want to be. I uh, just went over my, my calendar with my wife for 24. We're booked all of 24. I'm looking into 25. So, this is out of just throwing a friggin' drumstick to a handicapped person, led to another career, led to another business. I'm, I'm entering into the best part of my life. Yeah, all the touring, maybe all the touring, maybe all the, the cl- acclaim that came in regard to me being in rock and roll, maybe I was doing all that in preparation for this time in my life. You know, you look back on your life and the different decisions you make, and you go, well, that's why I made that decision. Look where it's led me. You know, you realize that going through a certain situation, you go, well, what good can come of this? But then you realize, you look back in retrospect, you go, oh, that's why that happened. Oh, that's why. That's why I called that person. Look what it led to. You know, whatever. So that's that's that story of how I became a, uh, a how I received another career. That's, you know, that's, that's so amazing. And that's so powerful because it's, you know, we all meet these people in life that they're very transactional. If they can't figure out what you can do for them in the right. next minutes. Right. I'm with you. Right. And that's a powerful story to say, look beyond that, just serve people. And I love, you know, when we talked before, you know, a month or so ago, when we were setting this up, you talked about your mission to you know, your mis- mission on stage, part of your mission is to make people smile. But right. now, now you're, let's talk about this uh, public speaking. What, what do you do? Who do you speak to? What's the message you bring to them? Well, I tell the examples, you know, um, I tell the examples of how I got certain gigs in my career. Again, I, I uh, speak around an acronym called beats. And in addition to playing beats on a drum set for, for close to what's, geez, close to six decades, um, I've been living the principles in the acronym BEATS. Belief, enthusiasm, attitude, tenacity, and service to others. And when you align with those principles in a positive way, possibilities will enter your life, positively impacting your life in ways that you never, ever imagined. Because we are very limited, Craig, in our in our human mental capacity to kind of wrap our mind around actually what's what's possible now if i'm on stage in 2016 in an arena in san diego am i thinking that hey if i throw a drumstick to this woman in the wheelchair it's going to lead to another career are you kidding so you don't do it for that 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 reason i speak i speak about the the simple the simple ways to become stress-free in your life, the simple ways to become successful in your life, 
um, the thought process that you have to have in order to do that. And so it's within how you think within and how you act without the combination of both of those, having a firm belief in yourself and in your own ability and having a firm belief of being tenacious in your effort and realize that problems that happen to you are, uh, are learning experiences are meant that they're, they're put in a path in your path in order for you to learn how to do something differently. So, or, or not at all. In other words, problems happen to all human beings, not to shut us down, not to put up, stop us, but to, uh, to make us become better human beings, to make us learn. So it's basically your belief in yourself and a belief in a power greater than ourselves at work in our life, being our GPS, so to speak, our enthusiasm about future events that happen, that upcoming events and upcoming audition, whatever, whatever it is, upcoming Thanksgiving dinner with your family, you anticipate a positive. That's it, being enthusiastic about it. And when you visualize something, you visualize the end result that you would like to happen and you conjure up the emotion inside that you would have if that manifested in real time, if that result manifested in real time. So that's the enthusiasm, your attitude, you watch what you thought, monitor your thoughts, be a thought police, because you have control over everybody's inundated with positive and negative thoughts all the time. But it's your choice of which ones you pay attention to. And then tenacity, which we spoke about, are ways for us to learn. Thomas Edison said, I never, I never made a mistake inventing the light bulb. I only learned 10,000 ways how not to do it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not who we are that holds us back. It's what we think we're not 99% of the time. So there's, there's belief, enthusiasm, attitude, tenacity. And the, one of the most important ones is service to others, service to others, going through your life with a feeling of a uh, spirit of altruism, a spirit of empathy, looking outside yourself. How can I make, how, how can I make this person's life better? Or, or let's find something positive. Even if you're not getting along with somebody, let's find something positive about that person. So it's the combination of those uh, attributes thought about in a positive way, because there's so much, you know, there's so many podcasts and books or how to do this or a better way to do that or whatever. And these are all in an effort to try to understand the bigger picture that happens to us. You know, the higher power, whatever you believe is a power greater than yourself at work in your life, Craig, the possibilities are endless, it's far beyond the, the limit, limited human um, scope that we have as far as mental, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I love the way that you, you break that down and the, um, you know, the attitude, having that positive attitude, um, you know, in the concept of leadership, well, who, who wants to follow some leader that, you know, always looks down, looks depressed as, you know, doesn't believe in the best in people, doesn't believe in the best outcome, you know, is, is ahead of them. Uh, that's a that's hard a, person to follow. That's what I call a boss. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different than a leader. A leader inspires performance. A boss demands performance. There's the difference. And I go in my presentation, you asked me about some things I speak to in corporate and a corporate environment is how a CEO is very similar in his role as a drummer in, in, a, in a rock and roll band. 
The drummer is the most important person on that stage, unequivocally. The band goes as the drummer goes. And they're the, the most important person in a company or a team within a company is the manager of that team or the CEO of that company. The company goes as the CEO goes. The culture follows the leader of that company. If you have a toxic culture, then look in the mirror. You're a boss. If you, it all comes down from the leadership. My goal as a drummer, when I count a song off, is to bring everybody in, on that stage in sync with me to perform a common objective. And that's the same thing a CEO does. His goal is to bring his management team, his employees in sync with his vision, his mission, to perform a common objective. The drum beat that I play, everybody has to follow that drum beat. Well, the drum beat in a leadership uh, scenario is the mission of the company, a mission, the, the result of a certain project or whatever. He's the leader of it. And you talk about consistency, that's the role of a drummer. When I count a song off, it's gotta be the same tempo from the beginning, the count off all the way till the end, Despite the, the changes that happen within the song, the tempo has to stay consistent and leadership has to stay consistent, regardless of the issues that happen within a company, supply chain, lack of quality employees, et cetera, et cetera. You got to be consistent because consistency in leadership breeds trust with your people. If they know what they're going to get day in and day out, whether you whether you hit the high mark in your quota or you have a supply chain issue uh, and people are quitting on you or whatever, you have to be consistent and that's what gains trust in your people. Your people got to know that they got to know, they got to, they, they have to feel, they have to know what to expect in their leadership. They can't be, how is it, how is he going to be today? Is he going to be happy go lucky or is he going to be yelling and screaming at everybody because we didn't make our quota? Yeah. You got to be consistent. So consistency breeds trust and trust within the leadership in a company is what makes the company thrive. And the challenge is, you know, disruption comes, threats come and you know when when you were playing for Cindy Lauper I you know this is when I was in high school I remember listening to the music there was a disruption in your world that that threatened drummers right the yeah. uh the what and what was that well it was it was the invention of the drum machine okay and and for, I mean so take us back I mean that that was that was a few decades ago what was it how, how was it a threat well when when you know when drum in the music business, there, there was a thriving, um, a lot of drummers not that never made it and never became a household name or whatever made a really good living playing on demos, playing on songwriters demos. Hey, let's go in the studio. I'll pay you a menial amount of money, but you do a bunch of these demos every day. You make a living demos and jingles commercials for radio, commercials for TV, playing on stuff like that. That's a living for a whole segment of musicians that never saw a stage, basically. Yeah. And now drum machines, drum com computers come out, and now they're using a computer instead of a drummer in these demos and in even in records, even in, you know, Cindy's record, there's drum machine, Eurythmics, uh, Prince, 
I'm thinking of the the artists from the 80s that, that use drum machines primarily. So a lot of drummers push back on that, going, hey, F that drum machine bullshit. I, that's taken a lot of work for, away from me. Well, I always taught, and I wrote articles for Modern Drummer to this effect for Modern Drummer magazine. you got to become friends with it. Because whether you like it or not, it's here to stay. Same thing with AI today. It's here to stay. So become friends with it. Use it in a positive way because you're going to have to become friends with the drum machine. You want to be a drummer? you got to adapt to that because it's here to stay. If you don't adapt to it, you're going to be left by the wayside if you're still, you know, not becoming friends with playing along with the drum machine because at the in the 80s it was full circle drum machines and the drummers weren't working on albums and demos whatever jingles and then it came it came back in other words now drummers are playing along with drum machine time but they're sampling their drum it's a, it's a big technical discussion but in 2023 you will not hardly ever see a band live even live where the drummer in his in ears doesn't have timekeeping device going on because nine out of 10 bands today, and I'm talking rock and roll bands, country bands, whatever, they fly in background vocals, computerized background vocals, or, you know, um, you know, when Steven Tyler goes, <laughs> does all of that stuff after throat surgery, Possibility exists where that those are going to be flown in. Um, you know, rumor has it. I don't want to mention any names in a public forum that use lip syncing, that are lip syncing. But there's a lot of bands today that are lip syncing because of the, the fact that they're older now and they don't have the, the chops, that the vocal chops that they... Or if you see a band and you hear strings or you hear a keyboard or you hear a horn and there's no horns or strings or keyboards on stage, those are being flown in with the computer. And if you fly stuff in, if you fly supplementary stuff in, then the drummer has to play to a time code because this is the click. And if you have background vocals in the chorus, the computer is going to kick in that background vocal after a certain amount of clicks. Yeah. All right, so you, the drummer's got to play to a time code. And that, that has to, if you listen to even country music, the most organic genre of music that we have in America, there are drum machines and programming all over that, all over. So AI is, you know, there, there's a lot of people that are afraid AI is going to take their job. Um, and, and there's probably some truth in that, but you're there saying, is. you're saying, but, but here's the reality. I mean, you you play drums what 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 age i mean you still play obviously but you know when what age were you when you switched from drumming to public speaking 68 68 and how long were the drum machines around prior to prior to that switch uh well let's do the math drum machines came out in the early 80s Drum machines came out in the early 80s. That's 43 years ago, for around 40 years ago. So 43 years after the advent of the technology that threatened your job, you continued to be a headline performer in that job and only left that when you realized, hey, you know what? I can do public speaking about what I learned as a drummer. 
Right. I I immediately became friends with drum machines. Immediately. Cindy Lauper used to bring have a drum machine on the stage for one song. Do so you remember a song called All Through the Night? All Through the Night. Whatever. There was a song. It was a hit single that Cindy had. And she she had a, a Lindrum, which was one of the first drum computers brought on stage. And I had to play hi-hat and snare drum. And the Lindrum played bass drum and shaker. So I had to play along with a drum machine in front of 20,000 people a night. So I became friends with it. I bought a drum. I bought a Lindrum myself. And when I did drum clinics and supported my drum company or whatever, and I and there was a, a room full of musicians, or when I taught at a music school, or, you know, and, and I taught a, a music business in a music school or whatever, and I had to do a solo in my clinic. I brought my drum machine. I brought my Lindrum, and I programmed my Lindrum to do a drum battle with me. Yeah. So we're both of us are boom, boom, this. And I did drum machine. So I programmed it when we were doing a call and answer uh-huh. with the drum machine. It was very, very well received. So I can play along with mechanical timekeeping devices. And that helped me tremendously when I was in the studio, when I was asked to do a record or asked to do whatever. Do you know how to play with a click track? Sure. Bring it. And that's the first thing. Uh, I've had hundreds of drum students when I taught at school in Manhattan for 27 years. That's the first thing I advocated to a drummer wanting to learn how to play drums. Become friends with metronomic time because that is the number one requirement for a drummer. Over and above the chops, the fills, the fancy, the rudiments, all of that, you got to be able to play boom, bop, boom, bop. Boom, bop, with, with this. All different tempos. Then move, move, the, move the dial. Songs come in different tempos. Be comfortable playing in each tempo for at least two and a half minutes. And play so you can start thinking. You don't have to concentrate on the click anymore. You can think about what you're going to have for dinner. And when you can take your mind off the click and you're still with it, then you know you're you're charging your timekeeping battery inside. That was the number one thing I taught a drummer. Before I taught him, well, it was not quite before I taught him how to, how to hold sticks, but soon after I told him how to hold the sticks, let's play to time. Yeah. And that's something, that's a major attribute that I have. I'm totally friends with a drum machine and, and any different tempo. And that's why I get gigs. And that's why I've gotten gigs because I was friends with the timekeeping. And I was able to put a click in my ear and do a record at this and do five takes of a record and each take be the same tempo. Yeah, and I think that's great advice as people are looking at AI. You know, and my my personal belief, uh, I've I've got two books that are coming out, and you know, people are asking me, you know, did AI write them? I'm like, no, I don't believe AI could write them. There's a creative element <laughs> that I don't think AI can do, but it's an amazing tool to use in tandem. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe you can answer this, but you, you, is your books in regard to AI? 
No, no. One one is about um, my uh, near early departure from this world. And the other is a uh, a marketing book that's titled Make Sales Magical. Okay. So. I saw a 60 Minutes documentary on AI. And the 60-minute person was curious of how AI, in a matter of seconds, come up with a paragraph about this 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 long about whatever subject and the guy said that ai scans the billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of of stuff that's on the internet and collects according to a certain amount of keywords just brings that in from everything everything that's ever been put on the internet and then the 60 minute there was a um the 60 minute guy asked the AI guy to have him write like a eulogy, have AI write a eulogy for this unnamed person and AI, he was reading it. And, and the guy was going, how does AI at the end of this eulogy was saying not only the factual stuff about the gentleman that they speak, the dead person, but they're saying, make sure you be kind to your neighbor. He was always an he was always an advocate of helping your neighbor because it, that does good for people. In other words, it, AI was talking about emotions. AI was talking about feelings. So the guy said, the 60 Minutes guy said to the AI guy, how does AI, where does he get, where does AI get the wherewithal to suggest be nice to your neighbor? You know, to touch upon emotion and not just facts and figures. And the, the AI goes, I don't know. Yeah. So in other words, AI is growing faster than human beings are able to understand it. Yeah, no, it's 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 amazingly powerful. And I think your your comparison of AI being the drum machines of modern day, yes, it's going to change it you know in the same way it changed the lives of drummers in the 80s. It didn't eliminate the need for them, it just changed the way they worked with them. Correct. Well, in certain areas, it eliminated the need for a drummer. In certain areas, in terms of demos, and in terms of, I don't think, I don't think there's a an advertisement, a, a jingle that you hear on the radio or an ad on TV where there's music. I don't think there's one I've ever heard a live drummer on it lately. It's all been so jingles, demos. You don't need to pay a guy. You can use the drum machine. To, to, to have your little demo, you know what I mean? So I think it's taken work, but um, but if you become friends with it, you end up working alongside with it on stage. And I've had to use it in a studio every time I've walked in a studio since 1980. Sandy, we, we could go on for another two hours. I mean, I just love hearing your thoughts on this, your perspective and and your your heart for serving others. Um, but I, I know you, I, I know you probably need to go on. Um, I just want to thank you. I want, I want, I do want people to reach out to you. Um, you have a book called beat the odds in, uh, business and life, and, uh, they can find that on your website. And, you know, this episode is going to go live in January of 2024. Okay. And so 
based on what I'm hearing is if, if people want to get you on stage in 25, 2025, they need to start reaching out to you today. Correct. How do they find you? They find me by sending me a text message at Sandy at Sandy And the spelling of the last name is G E N N as in Nancy A R O. They can text me Sandy at Sandy They can go to my website. There's a contact button on my website, Sandy Um, and if you want a signed copy of my book, Go to my website or tech, uh, email me, and I'd be happy to send you a signed copy of my book. So, yeah, to, for regarding keynote speaks, uh, and, and keynote engagements, that's the way to get a hold of me. And I'd be happy to talk to you about the possibility of me bringing a live drum set to uh, having a live drum set there at the presentation at the keynote address. And uh, it's really been a rocking, rocking good time. And the, the, the feedback has been incredible. Uh, because it is uh, an interactive, it's not like a keynote with a bunch of PowerPoint slides and facts and figures. It's an interactive thing. Uh, you're going to hear me play along with the, you know, the hits that I've been involved with in a live scenario. So it's really, it's really, a, 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 it resonates with a lot of people. Let's put it that way. Well, and, and let me just kind of reemphasize that, you know, I was introduced to you by Sue Tinnish, who heard one of your keynotes and she said you were amazing. I've since heard from other people uh, that heard you separately, and the response has been uniform. They, they you know, they say you got to get Sandy on your stage, and so I hope people will reach out to you. I hope they'll do it quickly so they can get on your 2025 calendar. <laughs> yeah, I, there's still some gaps in 24, but um, unlike 23, I want to maintain some of the gaps because 23 has been like a nonstop situation. It's it's starting to slow down now around the holidays, but the last eight or nine months has been like B to the wall, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, so, Sandy, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. You're welcome, Craig. I appreciate you and I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, uh, yeah, if there's anything I can do for you, you just reach out for me. This is Craig Andrews. I want to thank you for listening to the Leaders and Legacies podcast. We're looking for leaders to share how they're making an impact beyond themselves. If that's you, please go to alliesforme.com slash guest and sign up there. If you got something out of this interview, we would love you to share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show, including the hashtag Leaders and Legacies. I love seeing your posts and suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss anything, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to my team. If you want to know more, please go to alliesforme.com or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.